Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Ronna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, welcome to our program. I'm Jim Brown, and my co-host is Ronna Gray. We're well, Ronna, glad we're here together and trying to stir up a little controversy in our regular podcast that we hear each week. And uh, <clears throat> so what? I'll throw it to you. What are we going to talk about today? Well, Jim, you know that pretty often I'm on a rant about the cost of insurance in Louisiana, especially when I get my renewals for the year and they say, oh, it went up $600. Oh, it went up $800. I mean, it's just insane what's going on. And recently, Louisiana legislature held a special session, which tells you right away it's a big problem or a crisis of some sort. And to deal with the bleeding in the insurance businesses here in Louisiana. So you were insurance commissioner for a number of years, and I'm hoping you can tell us what the heck is going on with insurance in Louisiana. Well, very valid question. And as you said, for those who maybe aren't from Louisiana, uh, we have hands down the highest property insurance rates uh, that you can find in the country, both for homes and for businesses. And then when it comes to auto insurance, we're also lead the country in terms of the cost and usually fairly dramatic differences. It's a, a much greater distant uh, difference. And, uh, you know, we're this small southern state. You can kind of understand the, that we're going to pay higher property insurance rates because of hurricanes, that kind of thing. So that's going to engender uh, more costs. But those same hurricanes hit Mississippi, hit Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and they seem to be able to contain their rates. So what happened? Well, the governor, in his wisdom, called a special session of the legislature to deal with the insurance issue. It was a very narrow call. Once the go- in a special session, yeah, the go- all you can consider is what the governor suggests. You can't go off and bring in other issues or other things you want to deal if you're a legislator. So the governor followed the recommendations of the state insurance commissioner and uh, to ask the legislature to appropriate $45 million that will help uh, deal with reinsurance. Reinsurance is, you know, if you're a gambler, uh, if the gambler starts, uh, if the bookie takes in too much money, he kind of lays off part of the bet. Well, same thing in insurance. If insurance companies say, "Uh uh-oh, we're selling an awful lot of insurance and we've got some exposure, they will go out and acquire reinsurance. They'll find a company to protect them above a certain amount, and they'll take a portion of the premiums, give them to that other company, so they don't have as much exposure out there. If we got hit with a real big hurricane, uh, they wouldn't have to pay out quite as much money. So the session was to deal with reinsurance. Now, so that that's what it was supposed to do. $45 million is going to help solidify and lower the cost of reinsurance, which means it'll lower the cost that you and I pay for our insurance. Now, here's the difference. Florida had a special session of the legislature. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, called a special session. They, We put up $45 million. They put up $1 billion, having put up another billion dollars the year before. So they got $2 billion, uh, and we've got $45 million. It's a drop in the bucket. It's window dressing. It's, it's just smoke and mirrors. 
Uh, quite frankly, there are some who are cynical. Now, I'm not cynical. It wouldn't be me. <laughs> but some say uh, it was passed as a kind of put your finger in the whole gap so that legislators and, and the, the insurance commissioner and other people could go to the voters and say, well, we've got to solve this, but it's going to take a few more months. So just get us elected and then we'll be able to it'll all settle down. We right. promise you that. We promise you that. It ain't going to happen, and the rates are not good. You're not going to see any reduction of rates. Let me tell you how bad it is. Anybody listening, get out your insurance policy, look in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll see an additional 3% charge added just to take care of all the mess that was created in the past. These state-created programs are supposed to solve problems. All they've done is created problems. So I don't see any way that insurance rates are going to go down. I think it was window dressing. I think it was very unfortunate. We've got to go and, and, and you see, we're a, we're a little state. We've got a lot of, of, of exposure because of hurricanes, but uh, we've got other states that have also have a lot of exposure. Florida, for example, 85% of everyone who lives in the state of Florida lives within 50 miles of the coast. Most people don't realize that. 85% live along the coastline. If you look at the map, you can say, hey, that makes sense. So those people have huge problems. Mississippi has tremendous problems. They've got a strong coastline that catches the same hurricanes we catch. Texas has had continuing problems over the years. Lake Charles was devastated by several hurricanes, but of course that went right into Texas. So what we're being foolish and not doing is taking the lead and putting all these states together. Let's get together with Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, and let's form kind of a, a pool, if you will, where we all kind of share some of the exposure. That makes more sense, you see. Uh, we just don't go it alone. Right now, we're going it all by ourselves. We're going it alone. And uh, uh, the finger-in-the-dike approach of putting a handful of money uh, to say, oh, look what we've done. It's just not going to do a darn thing. And now we never should have gotten this pickle, Rana. There's a long history of our digging ourselves the holes. We dig ourselves deeper and deeper every single year. And so uh, it's just a shame that uh, some bright legislators didn't get a hold of this whole mess and talk about putting states together in the past. Let me tell you, I don't know whether you're conservative or liberal or whatever, but Senator John Kennedy has said that the insurance mess here, we've got this group called Louisiana Citizens Insurance Company. It's supposed to be the, the place of last resort. Senator Kennedy said it's the worst financial disaster in the state's history, the creation of this citizens reinsurance problem that people were supposed to go to to give them a break in their insurance. Well, he is he is known for his dramatic flair now, but I want... I want to go back to those that bright legislator might be like an oxymoron, uh, like jumbo shrimp or something like that. <laughs> so I'm not holding my breath for that. But I'm glad you brought up citizens because I want you to explain this to our listeners and me. So we have all these storms and this devastation and lots of payouts, billions of dollars in payouts. So some companies go away. So as I understand, the state formed citizens, like you said, last resort. But people have to pay higher, right, than the marketplace with citizens. Uh, and now we've got so many people in citizens. Will this new incentive program 
they, they hope it'll bring in some more companies and get some people out of citizens? We, we did this same program a couple of years ago, did this very same program, came up with about that time, $35, $40 million. And, and it brought a couple of smaller companies in from other states. They took the money and went bankrupt, took the money. And of course, they, the, the, the How could a small company operate in a, in a high risk environment like Never ours? should have been allowed to come right. in in the first place. Never. We, we need the big guys that have the backbone and the muscle to spread their risk all over the country. You know, uh, a state farm or all state may not make uh, much money or may even lose a little money by selling property insurance in Louisiana. On the other hand, uh, they make money maybe in life insurance and, and in workman's compensation insurance, a very profitable insurance uh, product that's sold. So, you know, you can, a company can't expect to make a profit in every single state in every kind of, of insurance that they sell. That's just not realistic. You go to the supermarket and uh, uh, the, the uh, supermarket may – uh, make a, make a little money off bread, but lose a little money on uh, on the mustard. You know, all they want to do is come out with say a ten percent profit over the end of the year on everything they sell. Same thing with insurance. You can't expect an insurance company. Look, the reason you pay insurance, pay these companies, uh, they're supposed to take part of what you pay them and stick them aside for a rainy day, so that when you Get hit by a large, uh, a, a large hurricane or whatever. They've got the money back to pay you. They say, "Oh, we got devastated." Well, maybe you didn't hold back enough. Maybe you shouldn't be paying that CEO uh, ten million dollars like some right. insurance companies do. And, and uh, maybe you shouldn't have, have had such an uh, extravagant uh, way of operating your company. So uh, uh, there's a a method to where regulators are supposed to keep an eye on these insurance companies, the same way that the Public Service Commission is supposed to keep an eye on utilities. Utilities, right. That's what they're, they're doing. Well, it's the same thing, the identical same thing. Citizens was created by the legislature. It's interesting that we're the only state in America that has the citizens like we do. Florida has a concept, but again, as I said, Florida's put several billion dollars into it. If it was so good, if this citizen's concept, this place of last resort was so good, why hasn't Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, why haven't they all done it? No no other state has done it, not one. So, Jim, I read that citizens in 2021 had like 40,000 Louisiana citizens in their group, whatever it's called, and then now they have 120,000 since 2021. So the insurance commissioner was saying, well, what they hope is that this incentive program, this, I agree by the numbers you're saying, paltry $45 million, they hope to offload 40,000 people of that 120,000. Well, we've tripled it now, so we're going to try to get down to just doubling it. It makes me feel like, and I'm not trying to speculate on anything, but it makes me feel like the concern is the stability of Louisiana citizens. Well, so I, I, let's go back to this. Let me tell you this. Again, I go back to what I said. No other state has the citizens. What do they do? What are they say, listen, insurance companies, State Farm, all state, progressive, all you folks get together and, and you're going to run this, pro, this program. We're going to let you operate in our state. We think you can make some money. 
but we want you to run the place of last resort. In other words, we realize that uh, somebody living in Grand Isle, Louisiana, is going to ha- can't go down to a pr- get private insurance. They can't do so. Well, what they what and I was when I was insurance company, we didn't have citizens. We did uh, what we and our rates were about in the middle. We were about uh, you know the same as Indiana. We were about the same as Colorado. We weren't out- outrageously expensive because what happened. If, let's say, State Farm sells one-third of the property insurance in Louisiana, then if somebody couldn't get an insurance company to sell them insurance, they'd go to the insurance pool, and State Farm would have to handle one-third of all the people that couldn't get insurance someplace else. If Allstate was selling 10%, they had to pick up 10%. It was run by the industry. There were no state funds involved, no state employees involved. It was all run by the industry. Now, the insur- look, when, when this cockamamie idea of citizens was brought up, the insurance industry was all for it. Oh, yeah, we love <laughs> citizens because they got out of it. See, right. they just walked away. They had no more obligation, no more exposure, no more... Uh, no more incentive at all to do anything else. They wanted to get away from it. So again, miss and the program that I had when I was insurance commissioner, spreading the risk, if you will, letting companies split up these policies. That's what you find in in uh, Texas. That's what you find in Mississippi. That's what you find in Alabama. I could go right down the line with you. You see. So it was. I don't know where the mo- motivation came from. I'm sure the insurance industry came up with the idea. Sure. Well, let's throw it all off on the— Which all, should have been the first warning sign, the first red flag. See, that it got thrown off. The responsibility now is on the taxpayers right? before it was on the insurance companies. We got snookered. We got taken advantage of, and it was wrong to do it then, and, and it's wrong to have it now. And, and how, do you get, on, how do you get out of it? Well— the problem is it, it's very complicated, uh, and, and I was no rocket scientist when it came to insurance when I got elected. I had to spend a lot of time learning and asking questions and visiting with a cross-section of professionals. The problem is you got a, you got citizens in place. you got the insurance industry that are telling legislators, oh, no, you don't want to rock the boat. This is fine. This will work itself out. Put a little, it'll work itself out. And oh, by the way, uh, you got a fundraiser coming up. You got mm-hmm. a fundraiser coming up. Oh, well, we might just write a nice check to you, you see. So uh, these companies pour millions, millions of dollars into the coffers of key legislators that serve on the insurance committee, the insurance commissioner. They get millions of dollars poured into their campaign coffers. So what motivation do they have of changing the system? The insurance company says, leave it alone. And by the way, we got these campaign contributions. And and the the way it works now, Rana, it just stinks to high heaven. No kidding. It stinks for everybody. You hear stories about these people on television saying they were in their 60s. And they, they said, we never minded working two jobs to have a better life, but now we're in our 60s, we work in two jobs just to pay for insurance. But at a time when they'd like to start kind of slowing down a little, insurance costs just to have homeowners coverage. I mean, just to have a policy, 
Never mind the deductibles have to be through the roof for most people to imagine it, all the exclusions of what it doesn't cover. I mean, it's just crazy how much it's costing. I think this could be the year that voters might say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore because it's gotten that out of control. I hope they will. Here's another problem, quite frankly, that because of all these campaign contributions, here's how you get rid of that. There's no incentive for the governor to get involved. The governor carries the big stick. The governor could make a big difference. Uh, I read what happened here last week where Governor John Bell Edwards, uh, the insurance commissioner, just drove him nuts about calling a special session. He did it. He said, well, I hope this works. He was kind of very reluctant to say very much for it. He didn't want to do it, but the insurance commissioner begged him, and so he finally called this special session. The insurance commissioner in 80% of the states in this country are not elected. They're appointed by the governor in Texas, in uh, Alabama, in Arkansas, all the states around us, they're appointed. Well, when you're an appointed commissioner, the governor appoints you then the governor's in the mix, you see. He's got some of the responsibility right. in his back. Uh, he's got to answer for it. Right now, he says, well, you know, the governor, if you ele- have an elected commissioner, says, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. That's the insurance commissioner has to deal with that. I don't. Well, you want the governor involved. And like I say, 80% of all the commissioners in this country are elected. Uh, New York, uh, come right across the Midwest. They're all uh, rather appointed. They're all appointed. There are some like Mississippi, Rana, uh, does have an appointed commissioner. But outside of Mississippi, uh, throughout the South, it's all appointed commissioners uh, that are appointed by the governor. It gets the governor in the mix. The governor has to be part of the action. The, the governor has responsibility. We don't do that. That's something we also should visit where the governor gets much more involved. If you're really going to lower insurance rates, uh, you folks that are talking to these candidates for a governor, don't let them say, oh, that's the insurance commissioner. Say, uh-uh. Uh, that hasn't worked with the insurance commissioner, governor. We want you to get involved. We want you to tell us, yes, you'll make this a top priority. Until that happens, we're not going to see any reductions in rates. I feel like somebody has to stand up for the lower 20 parishes or so of this state that have been hit by coastal erosion. It's devastated some industries down there. We're pouring a lot of money into repairing the coast and then they're more vulnerable storms because of the erosion. We've lost the barrier islands down there. So these hurricanes are just slamming into these cities. I mean, Baton Rouge now gets a lot where it used to, it had so much land to go over. We call it the speed bumps for hurricanes. It had so much land to cover. The hurricanes slow down as they come over land, slow down as they come over barrier islands with Florida and all. Well, as these wash away and, you know, we've had, for too long, people debating climate change in this country. Um, the storms are definitely more intense. They're definitely more frequent. We're having 100-year storms every three years or so, every five years. Uh, it, in where's, where's it going? Where's it going? Well, a couple of things to comment on. Yes, you're right. You know, we allow the oil industry to cut up the wetlands, and, and uh, today there's responsibility under the law. Back 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't. Uh, uh, the marsh was cut up and couldn't offer the protection 
that it used to. And so uh, then, as you said, because of climate change, storms are more uh, more prevalent. But one thing and is more severe. Well, one thing is building codes. So we, we we don't have we don't have teeth in our building code. We have some building codes. But uh, uh, perhaps there's a grant fund where you put on very stable roofs, and instead of wood posts, you build concrete posts. If you're going to build with new construction, uh, before you're given a permit by cities all over Louisiana, there ought to be some teeth in there to where, so, okay, we're going to let you build this, but you've got to build it to storm standards that can handle these storms, and uh, we haven't not done that. Number two, there's probably some parts of the state that should not be rebuilt. I mean, after you, after you have storm after storm, and and people collect insurance after insurance. I know I had a, a fellow when I was insurance commissioner say it was a Cajun guy, and he says, "Hey, commissioner, you uh, you think we're going to have a big storm this year?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. I don't. Why do you say that?" He's well, uh, I need to need to rebuild that camp. I want that good storm blow away my camp, and <laughs> then I'll have that insurance money to build. <laughs> so. Uh, we need to say, look, build a certain standards. Number two, uh, I love Grand Isle, Louisiana, Rana, but I'm not sure we should be continuing to build along those coastlines. There was an Indian group that had been relocated. Right. Uh, the federal government came up with some money, and they had to completely relocate their tribal uh, location where they've been 100 years. But it just sto- it just flooded and stormed. And it just wasn't feasible to rebuild anymore. So, Ile de Jean Charles is the settlement down there that was taken out of the federal plans to build a buffer zone and levees and all that. They were left out of that. And they fought it for years trying to do on their own and eventually have been relocated up near Homa Thibodeau area. And um, you just think about. Native Americans in this country just continue to lose land. You know, they lost land by being uh, sort of rounded up onto reservations, and now they're losing land to nature. And it's just like they were they were fishing villages down there. They were living off the land, hunting, fishing, and, you know, it's just it's Well, dev- there should devastated. be some mitigation. There should be grants to let, to let a lot of these folks— uh, uh, move to a different location, be of assistance to them. But I mean, I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a, a shame, but it's just a fact of of where we live in terms of the changes in this country today. We can't live like we lived a hundred years ago, and so we're going to have to make some tough decisions about moving people, about mitigation, and we're going to have to get our teeth more into solving this problem. If we don't, the, too many people in South Louisiana it's going to be a real tough time in the years to come. You're, you're right. People have to accept the fact that climate change is real, and we now have climate refugees in the United States. It started in Alaska with another Native American population having to move inland, and you're right. Uh, there will come a time when there won't be enough money to save Grand Isle. And so... Well, you mentioned climate change. You know, there are projections that within 50 years, 
The water level will overtake Homa, Morgan City. They won't be there because the water level is going to be up so high, or we're going to have Venice instead of Venice, Italy. It's going to be uh, that kind of a city located. Even New Orleans has risk along those lines. So uh, we've got to monitor it. We've got to realize it's going to be expensive. And uh, if you want to live here that so many people do, there's going to be a price to pay for to carry on our quality of life. So, uh, And I sure hope that bright legislator or bright businessman or someone, businesswoman, comes forward and shakes up the insurance industry so that it's affordable. I mean, it's a great state to live in, but you have to be able to afford to, to take care of your property. Well, it's election year. Uh, in a matter of months, we'll be electing a new governor, a new insurance commissioner, or a, uh, uh, a, a number of legislators. So time to ask. Look, uh, I've always been convinced that the people we put in office are no better or no worse than the people that elect them. And so, uh, you know, in the fall, fire them all if you feel strongly about that. <laughs> if not, ask some very tough questions. If you don't, then it's your it's just your own fault. So, Ronna, we're out of time. Listen, thanks to all you folks for listening. Uh, DatelineLouisiana.com is our website, and we'll have some more information about this very uh, important, critical subject on that website. And we're glad you're listening. Ronna, you have a good week, and we'll talk to our listeners again soon, okay? Sounds good. See you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.